Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Matt Kelly. And I'm Matt Dancona. And this is the two mats for the week ending Friday, the 23rd of November. Two men searching not for the answer, but merely the outline of an answer. It's a, que- it's a quest. It's a journey, it is, isn't it? It's a, it's in it is very, a journey. In a very real yeah. sense. What are we going to call this episode? What well, do we talk we about? we talked about, um, it's been a real populist week. And yeah. We talked about Nigel in the jungle, and we talked about Git Builders, and we talked about Millet in Argentina. Yeah. And how to spot a fascist. Yeah. How, how, to spot a fascist. how to spot a fascist. Actually, how to spot a fascist. That's very good. That would be, that's that's podcast clickbait, isn't that's, it? In a, listen, good, in a good way. In a good way. How to listen to me. Because we're not lying. We do actually tell you. How we do. To spot we do. A, we give detailed. Fourteen ways we to give spot a, a detailed blueprint. We do. Okay. So there we have it. So this is the two mats episode twenty-three. How to spot a fascist. Enjoy. So, Matt, what are we talking about this week? Well, I think this week we have to talk about the week in populism because there's yes. been a lot of it. The, the first and obvious subject is Nigel Farage in the jungle. Yeah. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. And we're recording this on Thursday. And on last night's show, Wednesday's show, things went postal with uh, Nella Rose, uh, the YouTuber. Who I've we... never heard of Nella Rose, but... You've heard of her now. I Should, like her should now. we yeah, ask go... the third Matt? Our third Matt, can you play a clip? Play a clip. But this is what I was saying it, to you. Apparently, you're anti-immigrants. And you're, Who told you that? Oh, the Who internet. Told, the oh, internet. well, there we are. Then it must be true. It must be true. It must be. <laughs> it must be true. Okay, but then why don't black people like you? You'd be amazed. They do. <laughs> You'd be amazed. Nigel. If, if you came with me. If you came with me. If you, huh? came, if you came with me through South London, you'd be astonished. Oh, wow. What were you doing in South London, Nigel? Well, I'm there every day. You're in South London. Wait, sorry. I'm so sorry to be shy. What are you doing? Sorry. He's from South London. I travel through what South you... London. So, so everyone issue. hates you for no reason. Well, no, 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 I'm one of the numbers. Oh, right. So that so that's it then. So should it be five million a year, ten million? A year? Question. No, right? you don't seem to understand. Nigel, hang on, hang on, hang on. There's wait, wait, immigrants that are coming in. And, and hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Had you think, been in power think, a bit later? Why are wrong about immigrants? Oh. I did not expect to be caught in a full-on debate. I really didn't. Just wanted a bubble bath. <laughs> 
that was Danielle Harold, I think, the well, East Ender star. Who I'd never heard not, of. Not known to I'm me, afraid. but about, that was a great line. I think she uh, summed up the last seven said, years yeah, for a lot of people. Basically, yeah. really la- landed it. Um, and then Nella said of Farage, he's wrong and strong, which I think, uh, yeah. unfortunately, he'll rather like. Yeah, um, but I, I thought we saw a glimpse of... I know we both kind of think Farage is going to do really well in this in terms yes, but. of... Because he's good at playing people, blah, blah, blah. But you've got a glimpse there of the patronising, hectoring Farage well, He can't there. help talking yeah. like a TV host, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. it really... I thought she reacted well. Well, and, she, and, he goes on after that... After that clip ended, he he goes on saying, she says, she says, well, I don't agree with you. He says, well, you're not listening to me then, are you? Have you heard a word I've said? You know, yes. I mean, it's kind of rather bizarre behaviour, I thought. But- and he uh, he's not making any bones about why he's doing it. He said yeah. that uh, in one of, I think he was in the like, the diary room, whatever they call it, you know, about the Tory leadership. He said, well, yeah. I'll never say never. A Incredible. Little, a, little, yeah. a little too, obviously. And one and a half million smackers comes in handy, I guess. Yes. And also, if you get you get eighty to 90,000 viewers for your show on yeah. GB News, and, you know, apparently it's not doing as well as they'd hoped that so far. Do you think that's to do with him? I don't know. It's really interesting. But still, he's get, they're getting 7 to 8 million yeah. viewers. So for him, it's it's big. It's all it's win. Showtime, it's all yeah. win. Yeah. Um, but it does come back, doesn't it? And it's a subject we've talked about a fair bit on the pod, you know, which is this kind of weird convergence of politics and entertainment, particularly on the sort of populist right-wing side. And... You know, look what's happened in the Netherlands. Well, this is, I mean, from the sublime to the ridiculous, Siri, or the ridiculous know, to, the to the unsublime. Gert Wilders. How do you say Gert? I think Gert Wilders. Wilders, yeah, Wilders, yeah. Wilders. But like a, a guy who is um, basically a full-on fascist. Yeah, I, I mean, think, he's a, he's know. a, he is openly anti-Islamic, wants the Quran banned, yeah. wants no new mosques, uh, talks about Arabia, which is yeah, a real... Yeah trigger word in, yeah. in the far right world I mean he's what's scary about him is that he's been going at it for so long and now he's finally passed the threshold he needs to he'll have difficulty forming a coalition but yeah you know he looks like he's going to be the next prime minister of the Netherlands which is incredibly weird. and we'll probably we should talk about the sort of political consequences of that at some point but I just used a word there which people throw around very wildly yeah. these days uh, the word fascist yeah and if you use it on twitter quite rightly a lot of people will come back at you and say oh everyone i don't like's a fascist you yes. know and all of this business and i was what we once did a front page on the new european about god it must have been at the be- it was at the beginning of trump's presidency and we had a picture of trump's head and we put the barcode of the newspaper on his upper lip like a little hitler mustache and it looked very funny and the headline was is trump a fascist and i went on any questions that week and this front page was raised right the great mary beard phoned in right into onto any questions and said would matt kelly care to explain what he means by fascist right and it stumped me and it's one of these words that we all have a sense of what it means. Yes. And you can point to certain figures in history and say, well, that's a fascist. But what does it mean more broadly? And so I did a bit of research chastened by Mary Beard. I did some research. <laughs> and the best thing I came across was an essay in, written by Umberto Eco in ah. 1995, where he lists 14 characteristics of a fascist. Well, let's have them. And he does it in a in a way as to be useful so that people can yes, tick a che- them a off. Yes, a checklist. A yeah. checklist for, is someone a fascist? Well, I think we need that. Now, 
I will say there's 14 of them, but I think it's fascinating when you go no, through let's them, have them one let's by have one. Them. So the first one, the cult of tradition. Yep. You know, pointing to the past and saying, this is how we've always done things, you know, and this is how um, things should be. Yes. You know, that, that sentiment. The second one is a rejection of modernism, you know, again, tied into that tradition, but saying that these new ideas are somehow wrong and yes. and and are corrosive uh, and, are corrosive and, yeah. the, and the enemy that disagreement is treason right this is central to the idea of fascism they e- cannot enemies of the people judges ex- how many times have we seen this so often fear of difference okay central again to how people perceive swella bravum and hurricanes of stop the migrants invasions but the, our, our villages are changing yes. polish delis blah 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 all of this stuff I thought this one was fascinating. And I nearly left this one out because I thought, well, mm, gosh, that's hard to say. But I think it's the biggest example that we can talk about. Action for action's sake. <laughs> and I think Brexit. You know, it's let's leave the European Union. Well, it's performative politics, Performative isn't it? politics. Gesture politics all the Everything, time. Everything, you know, all of this stuff. Appeal to social frustration. You see well, that all the straight time. Straight down the line. Obsession with a plot. Hello, Daily Mail. Yes. You know, absolute playbook. This one's fascinating. The enemy is both weak and strong at the same time. Oh, that's very good. We see that all the time, don't we? Yes. You know, contempt for the enemy who's going to destroy us. That's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yes. You know, contempt for the blob who's going to destroy us. Contempt for the wokerati who are going to destroy us. Who are all going to destroy us? Yes. Um, Pacifism. But pacifism is trafficking with the enemies in, and this sense that everything is a struggle. Yes. You know, that life is a struggle. Everything is bellicose and warlike. Exactly. Contempt for the weak. We see that well, all the time. straight, straight through. Machismo and weaponry as, as identifiers. You know, this sense that the, the 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 state has to be strong the strong man yes and 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 do it you know strong leadership strong leadership very masculine sense yes. you know and an obsession with power yeah. as as an end to itself you know uh, potency just potency showing, yeah, that's yeah. the word it's potency yes. in quite a, vir- a sort of virility yes yeah, yeah. exactly in almost like a literal kind yeah. of and we see that in you know in Trump the way they put Bolsonaro the way uh, our friend in uh, Argentina yes who we'll speak about in a minute yeah selective populism right now here here is the direct quote from Umberto oh, Eco's okay. essay get a load of this that the emotional response of a group of citizens can be presented as the voice of the people well I mean we had that for example mm. um, as justification for. Both the prorogation of Parliament, which was yeah. in 2019, which was ruled unlawful, and for the 2019 election, you know, the people's yeah. will is being frustrated, and, and and also just the the total negation of any idea that Brexit should be looked at again at, even, at oh, any point know, in the future, because the people have spoken. The people have spoken, and more to the point, I, Boris Johnson, or whoever it is, uh, speak for the people. Yeah. You know, they are the spokesperson that's right, that's right. the people and you know. they that group of people who suit me at this time are the people selective is very clever as well because it's absolutely absolutely right and the last one which i hope this podcast is part of yes. negating is a tendency to speak in new speak as umberto echo called it i think he would call it tweets these days yes brief concise messages that don't allow for more considered opinion well thought. i mean uh get brexit done yeah you know, all, stop well, the, the boats, all, all these things. You know. you know, they are... I mean, I think long-term decisions for a brighter future has kind of yeah. jumped the shark. But, was- <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, abso- it, it's absolutely true. Yeah. And, I mean, Dominic Cummings, 
uh, for all his flaws, was a master of just boiling down, yeah. you know, like a stock, these, these yeah. messages to three hopefully, you know, monosyllabic words. I think I might have mentioned this, but you know how uh, actually it wasn't Cummings who came up with the slogan of slogans, take back, take back control. control. It was Paul McKenna, ah. the Tory-leaning hypnotist yes. who helped hypnotise an entire nation. He's I used, think. used to take, take back, back, back control. control quite a you lot. Know, this, that is really interesting. This onion is an apple. I have to say that it's a pretty good list. I mean, it, it, and w- what struck me as curious, and maybe this is something where... Um, we, we need to be careful about when we bandy words like fascist about is just how many of those criteria yes. now apply to the hard left as well. Though. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah. it, it's not it's not confined to the right. However, this week it is. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Argentina, where um, a, a man, a politician who's actually only been a member of Congress since in Argentina since 2021 called Javier Millet has been elected president. And we, we were talking in uh, the, the most recent Q&A about the use of words like mad and bonkers and crazy. Well, this guy is called El Loco yeah. in Argentina. I mean, and also uh, plays on his, I think, performative craziness. Um, yeah. well, he in, brought out a chainsaw while he was campaigning. He brings out he? a chainsaw in order to talk about, because he describes himself as an anarcho-capitalist. He's one yeah. of these uh, populists who believe, and not all populists are the same. Some populists are protectionists and want to grow the government and all that stuff. But this guy, he wants to tear the state to pieces. And he, as you say, he carried a chainsaw around with, with him, which is not normal behavior for a no. prospective head of government. Anyway, um, you know, he's, he's, he's now one. The more you look into him, I mean, his his hair makes Boris Johnson look like a Sandhurst cadet, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, is, it is truly extraordinary. Yeah. Um, he's he's got cloned dogs. Yeah. One of whom is called Conan the Barbarian, and yeah. the others are named after right wing economists. I mean, I'm yeah. not sure which is crazier. Um, he wants to. I mean, one should point out uh, as the backdrop to this that. Um, inflation in Argentina is 140 yeah. percent, and um, unfortunately, the second world, the uh, prelude to the Second World War, shows how important inflation can be in, in, yeah. in creating populism. Um, but what he wants to do is get rid of the Argentinian peso and re- replace it with the dollar, which I think is not as straightforward as he claims. Mm. Um, but he is, uh, uh, you know, he, he he is the to me anyway the most vivid example so far of of a of a of a now a president elect who where the clowning is the point mm. it's not just part of it it's i despise the system as much as you the voter do, do. and he's done he's done incredibly and alarmingly well yeah. with the young which is new because trump and yeah bolsonaro in brazil and boris johnson in this country didn't yeah. so he's, he's the first of the of all of these populist strong strongman leaders to break through the young who just see in him a kind of frantic rebelliousness with which they can identify my um so i spent a lot of time in in argentina i've oh, spent right. years working with um clarine which is the yes. kind of the times yes of, absolutely of argentina so i've got a lot of argentinian friends and have taken quite an interest in argentinian politics and what strikes me as interesting about argentinian politics in particular is how there's there's no sensible moderate middle ground anymore. You're split between this idea of left wing Peronism. Peronism, yeah. After Juan Perón, the the um, the military 
general who became the president of Argentina and the husband of Eva Perón. And, and that sense of Peronism has become very kind of fluid and, it, and lots of people grab it. But I remember the first time I arrived in Buenos Aires and there was, they call them las cacerolas, the protesters with their casserole pans and their wooden spoons marching through the streets, banging these, such a racket, cacophony of sound, amazing. See, and, and Buenos Aires is an amazing city, you know, like vivid and uh, full of passion and, and life. And this scene of these tens of thousands of people with this, you know, these casserole dishes being hammered under the name of Peronism. But that, that was quite a hard left unionism, which had taken a grip of of society in Argentina for a period of time under Cristina Kirchner, who oh, yes, was president yeah. at the time, and who sort of saw herself as the living embodiment of Eva Perón. So, you, and and that Cristina Kirchner idea, with a brief interlude from um, the former um, governor of Buenos Aires, who became president, but not very successfully. Um, has characterised one end of the political debate in Argentina. And now we have the right-wing side of that debate, but almost its twin. And my my friend, uh, the editor of Clarín, a man called Ricardo Kirschbaum, wrote a, a fantastic column, I thought, where the intro of the column on the morning of the results said, the fear of the present was greater than the fear of the future. <laughs> And I think that was such a wonderful encapsulation of how populism trades on people's emotion. You know, yeah. that they're more scared of a, a, a shit situation right now than they are about what will happen in a month, two months, two years, ten years, you know. And that's ha what they encapsulate. And, you know, watching, uh, obviously with subtitles, the, some of his performances, he just has no guardrails. He, no. he builds himself up into a frenzy of fury, at, as you say, at that which is, at that which is going on, yeah. which is politically empty, but it has this extraordinary emotional and uh, power and anger. I mean, yeah. and, and apparently it's been very well. Obviously, it's been effective. Yeah. Um, and the thing about all this that does alarm me and connects very much to the sort of mission of the new European and, 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 and the, the sort of broader points we often talk about is that when Biden was elected in 2020, I remember a lot of people saying, well, that's the end of that. You know that it, it's over now. We just have to wait, run out Boris, Bolsonaro, and then we can go back to nice centrist technocracy. The sort of FT Davos classes, if you like. And it just isn't true. This populism, you know, Trump was the beginning. He was a symptom as much as a cause. And yeah. here we are, we're just describing one week. And okay, you know, Farage in the jungle is not the beginning of a, um, a the equivalent regime in the UK. Yeah. But it's significant that, that, that Farage is, is still around. Well, mate, if we, if we, if we said, uh, you know, even five years ago, that the idea that Farage could become the leader of the Tory party would be utterly laughable and absurd. And yet now he's saying never say never. You know? Yes, and I mean, it, it's I, I, since we sort of first started talking about this, um, I've had Tory MPs say, look, you know, uh, we don't want it to happen, but it, but it quite easily could. There are circumstances yeah. after the next election where if he gets himself a seat, if, who, you know, whoever becomes the next leader tanks very quickly, he could become leader of the Conservatives relatively quickly. And one just has to be, I think, extremely vigilant and not 
I mean, you can dislike these people and should, I think, but not dismissive of them because they keep winning. And, you know, one looks at France where the Le Pen family has for decades been incrementally making gains towards the presidency. And I'm not saying that, you know, they'll they'll get there. But the assumption that because they haven't so far means that they won't ever is very dangerous, I think. So, so if you pump this conversation into every living room in the land, a lot of people would be saying, well, so what good, you know, I, yes, like, that's, I, I like them, you know. That's the problem. And yeah. I mean, you, 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 you get you get to the point where I mean, I think history has a lot to do with this and, and knowledge of history and, and time passing. Because to go back to your original use of the word fascist, I mean, it's true. Fa- the word fascist, unlike that excellent sort of Umberto Eco explanation, has become debased by overuse, especially on social media. And so the idea, you know, it happened before and it can happen again, is not really taken that seriously. So when people see... A lot of people see Trump or Swella Braverman or whoever it is. They think, you know, I don't care what they, the left say about them or I don't care what progressives call them. Mm. They're talking. I feel seen. They're yeah. talking sense that I yes. you know, agree with. And one must be constantly sort of uh, aware of this um, because, you know, nationalism is terrible, but it is, to quote, Rick James, a hell of a drug. You know, you, you you can see it all over the world in a world that should be more interconnected, more collaborative, desperately needs international cooperation, becoming in many ways more atomized, more fragmented. And I think this is going to be a huge battle in yeah. the coming decades. It may be the battle, actually. I went into... Um, I went into my kids' primary school last week to talk to them about media and journalism. Right. Nine-year-olds. And um, 50 kids, wonderful session, you know, about an hour where they all sat there very interested in in media. And I talked to them about how newspapers work and about how editors think and about how the same story would be completely differently presented on two or three separate front pages. And they asked some great questions like, for instance... Why are they? Why do, why does the Daily Mail say that, and and why does the Daily Mirror say this? Good These nine year old kids Good saying, question. and and so it, we got into a conversation about the fact that about p- partisanship. I have to say, by the end of it, Oscar, my my son was looking at me like, Dad, can we do some football reporting? Stories? Can we roll it up? <laughs> I left feeling that. That's a conversation that should take place at schools much earlier. Every school. You know, that media literacy and understanding how to interpret news and to think for yourself. That's what that's what I kept saying. I said, you can read all of these things, but you've then got to think about it. I, I, I mean, I completely agree. And I think that it, it schools often complain, and I understand this, that every task is, is put on their shoulders. But I do think preparing people for the for citizenship has become different yeah you know it's there aren't just seven national newspapers and a few tv channels yeah there is this extraordinary thing called the internet that's right and you know those kids they're digital natives they were you know they they were born into the digital age so they need resilient they need to be taught resilience yeah. and and critical thinking and, and skepticism about what they're going to encounter on their phones and perhaps some of them already are you know some of them yeah. will have phones because people are getting phones younger and younger yeah. and i i think I, I think that's absolutely fantastic what, what what you were doing because it's 
I, I, I think that needs to be more methodically done. Yeah. You know, to preparing tomorrow's citizens is a is not just a question of saying this is how Parliament works, you know, and this is how the the courts work and so on. Yeah. It's about how you respond to the bombardment of messages, lies, fake news, yeah. partisanship, polarization that is just unavoidably going to be part and parcel. Yeah. Of, of living in the 21st century. I think it's got to be looked at the same way we look at sex education these days. It's like it might make you uncomfortable a little bit, it, it's but a, it's a conversation you've got to have. That's a, actually a, a really good analogue. Yeah. Mind it, you, it, it, none of them took out a bloody subscription, so I won't be doing it again. Oh, well, I'm not sure I like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we need to do a junior subscription. Well, no, we? ah, well to be fair, so I, uh, some of them did read uh, and and get and you know Oscar does gets the the week junior which um, we do not publish so this is a free advert but it, you know it, it is a very good way into Maybe we should do a TNA um, the young European young, young subs deal you know indoctrinate your children that would be the marketing Tomorrow, pitch be it tomorrow's anti-nationalist that would be the pitch. I can see a Matt Kelly T-shirt coming yeah, yeah, yeah. on yeah Indo- good? indoctrinate your children this Christmas Let's with a subscription to the young European probably find to use another word for indoctrinate. This Christmas, indoctrinate your children <laughs> into the right way <laughs> into of thinking. Into the correct way of thinking. <laughs> right, folks, if you're interested in that, you think that idea's got legs, then email me and Matt at two mats at tnepublishing.com. And when we come back from a short break, we will be talking about the autumn statement, I think. The autumn statement. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So welcome back, everybody. Apparently it was a fantastic 
week for for tax cuts, Matt. It was it was a bonzer week for tax cuts. We've so we've already established that populism had a good week, um, unfortunately, but it was also uh, a week of tax cuts, which is funny because I remember someone called Rishi Sunak last July saying tax cuts were fairy tale economics. But you know, mm. in a kind of Scooby Doo moment, here we are in November 2023, and his chancellor Jeremy Hunt has been giving it large on tax. Actually, should we have a a bit of a clip of Jeremy Hunt in the autumn statement? Jeremy Hunt. In the face of global challenges, we've halved inflation, reduced our debt and grown our economy. As a country, we're sticking to a plan that's working and this autumn statement for growth will attract £20 billion additional business investment a year in the next decade, bring tens of thousands of people into work and support our fastest-growing industries in a package which leaves borrowing lower, debts lower, and keeps inflation falling, we are delivering the biggest business tax cut in modern British history. You know what, I had a, I thought it was the Doctor Who 60th anniversary uh, special yeah. on uh, Saturday. Um, and I, I felt this was a kind of, I, this was like a sort of time travel budget or autumn <laughs> statement because it's actually a very traditionally Tory statement. You know, it's tax cuts are good. So he's lopped um, 2% off national insurance from January and uh, fiddle around with the expensing arrangement on business um, capital investment, which it w- will make a difference for, for businesses. Yeah. And it, it's really it's really classical Tory politics. It's retail politics. Well, you know, one part of it is, we like business. The other part is retail politics. We're going to cut your national insurance very quickly. Yeah. Um, but it's total mirage. Yeah. Because, because the tax burden is still cripplingly. The tax burden is enormous. the highest it's been since Second World War. Yeah. He's making twenty billion pound, twenty billion pounds worth of cuts to public services in effect in real terms. Yeah. And that is going to be felt very, very keenly by public services that are already on their knees and i suspect that actually those cuts will never be made by a conservative government yeah it was well what's weird for me only listening to to it on on the radio and still trying to understand the scope of it all it was rachel reeves saying pretty much agreeing with everything he's doing yeah you know and also when when asked by uh Sir Nick Robinson about <laughs> Sir Nick de Robinson. <laughs> Did you know he supports Man United? By the way, I have heard it said. Yeah, um, multiple times a day by him. Yes. But um, when when um, Sir Nick said, um, w- you know, w- are you going to be spending on on public services and all of this? Basically, she was saying, well, no, we're coming out of a very tough time, and and that won't be happening under a Labour government. You know, so. It is kind of strain, a strange economic choice or no choice at the ballot box. Next yes, week. I mean, the, the, Labour is almost sort of, it's stultified, it's catatonic with terror about this because it has bad memories of, you know, Labour's tax bombshell and it's playing pretty much the playbook that Gordon Brown did up till 1997 saying, you know, we, we won't go any further than the Tories on spending and so on. Uh, which of course changed once they were in power, but um, the, there, there's caution and there's just mimicking, and I think that perhaps uh, Rachel Reeves is in danger of the latter. Yes, um, because Labour has to offer, offer some novelty in its yeah. version of what government is all about. I mean, this is this is a 20th century 
approach to 21st century problems, right? You know, we, we all know the list. There's longevity, social care, the growing needs of the NHS, um, huge number of measures needed for climate change, infrastructure training, pandemic resilience, technology, and, and the list goes on and on. We're living in an era where you're going to need more government and a lot more growth, yeah. more to the point. And they all say yeah, we want growth. And, you know, Hunt made some measures on productivity and investments, but but not enough. Yeah. And Labour hasn't yet spelt out how it's going to grow the economy. And, you know, I think you and I would probably immediately say, well, probably leaving the EU was not a great yeah. way of encouraging growth. And the uh, Office of Budget, Budget Responsibility, its figures are very depressing on economic growth in the years ahead. Yeah, and also very depressing on the idea that mortgage rates are going to stay high for yes, much longer than they yes. people I mean, thought. That's going to become a bigger, bigger issue as, I, as more renewals come up. I completely agree. And I yeah. think, you know, Labour is in a tight spot here because um, in terms of electoral popularity, they're in a good place. They have been for a while. Um, but they're also conscious that Labour's traditional let's say it's it's traditional weak spot is if it appears to be incompetent with the economy yeah and so they're they're new this has become neuralgic for them they just don't want to step a foot a toe outside the comfort zone and the problem is that that's going to make them sound increasingly absurd because their entree is going to involve it is going to have to involve you know either public spending cuts if they stick to the what Hunt announced in the autumn statement, or an admission that we're going to have to borrow more or tax more in order to spend more, and um, they've got to really have a, a, a route path mapped out. I think, yeah, so that they can, even if they don't spell it out before the election, they can hit the ground running on it because yeah. they, you can't have a Labour government coming in after what will by then be fourteen years of of, of Tory rule. Just saying, we're not going to spend anything. Yeah, treading water effectively. Yeah, so I mean, let's that, just see how this pans out. A bit. I mean, that yeah. that yeah. is the Tory dream. The Tory yeah. dream yeah. is 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 that Labour comes in and is kind of paralysed with terror on yeah. spending and disappoints so immediately that in this very volatile political world we now live in, you know, b- before you know it, it's a one-term government. And that's that is exactly you've just articulated exactly how it feels to me, which is that it's a party that is terrified of making a mistake and is living within itself and is living under that mandate of never interrupt your enemy while they're screwing everything up, fine. But nevertheless, at some point in the near future, touch wood, they're going to be in the in the hot seat. And I still say, where's the vision? Where's the idea? What, do, what do you mean? You have to have a mission. Yeah. You know, I mean, our new European colleague, Alistair Campbell, you know, was extremely tough on Labour shadow ministers and not letting them step outside you know what had been agreed in terms of the message but there was always in the run-up to the 97 election there was always a clear point to new Labour it was going to combine social justice with economic competence that was something you could get your head around yeah now what's the equivalent for Keir Starmer you know what's that? What's the one line point of a, of a Labour government? Yeah. Other than we're not the Tories, and they come back when you pose that question and say you've got to understand. You know we've gone from the worst results since 1935 in the 2019 election to the 
brink of office. This is different. Yeah. We just can't afford to make a mistake. Yeah. Okay, but at least start to hint. At least start yeah. to you know prepare the ground. You know, pitch rolling. The trouble with that, as John Lennon said, is is life. What happens while you're busy making other plans? Yes. And, and but, you know, we should discuss briefly when you think the next election will be. Whether this autumn statement is queuing up a May election, or is it going to be this time next year, or, or a little bit earlier? But if you're something's going to happen, you know, Rishi Sunak's so far behind in the polls, his only uh, rational uh, reason for not doing an election in May, I think, right now, is that something will happen. Yes. And, and who knows Mc, what? McCorberism, something will something turn up. Something will happen. Yeah. Something will turn up and it'll change the dynamic. And, you know, he's, that would be a perfectly rational observation because something does always turn up. And the trouble with Labour right now, I think, is because they're not fighting on their ground. They're sort of pointing at someone else's ground, saying, "Look, they're on they're on sink on sinking sands, and it's all you know. We're we're on firmer ground than them." But they're not really saying what's great about where they are and and make and selling that vision to the nation. Trouble is, if something does turn up and reverses things a little bit, then they're all mired in the same sogging ground, you know, and sinking. And and nobody will have this central vision to cling to. Sunak hasn't got one. I don't, I, and I question whether Keir Starmer's got one. Well, you know, people are really, really angry and frustrated. And in that kind of context, you need to have more than, don't worry, we're not like the people that have generated your anger and frustration. You need to have the, at least the outline of an answer. Mm. Um, I mean, on the election day, it's interesting because I wasn't convinced by... Um, yesterday, Wednesday, because this is Thursday, uh, there was a lot of talk about, oh, this means a May election. And then this morning on Sky News, uh, Jeremy Hunt said, I think it's silly to think about this in terms of the timing of the next election, which made me think, ah, oh, mm. you have been thinking about yeah, the next course, election. Yeah. So why why it, is it possible this points to a May election? Because they're putting the national insurance changes in in January, and there's another, there was another poker player tell, which was in the middle of the Rwanda row last week. Rishi Sunak kept saying, I want flights in the air in, by the spring, right. which I thought was very telling. Right. You know, why the spring? He kept saying the spring. Yeah. I think the truth is what this autumn statement does and what they're, what they're hoping for on Rwanda and won't get um, is that they're, they're in a position to be ready to go in yeah. May. But I still think, to your point, Matt, that the that the the argument is play it long. Yeah. So so they want a few solid weeks of Daily Mail front pages saying, "Well done, life's getting better, tax cuts are everybody's happier, and we're shipping them off to Rwanda. Well played." I mean, but they won't be. They they'll, won't, they'll need that. They and they won't be uh, at all happy with the the press response yeah. to the autumn statement, which has be, you know more or less been yeah. A big, big raspberry. Yeah, well, um, the males, uh, I mean, the, the males spells the it key. out, which was, let's hope this is just the start. Yes, i.e., you know, if, if you think that's enough, you know. <laughs> we'll may, be back on can Friday. I, can I introduce rest. you to Mr. John Major? Um, no, it, it was, it was, I mean, uh, it was interesting how almost uniformly terrible yeah. the headlines were. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because 
I mean, I'm I'm fascinated how little credit Biden is getting in the States for real economic success. Yeah, yeah. Um, and here, there's just no translation. Well, you're, of, you wrote a really good column about the, 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 the way the cord has been cut between economic success and political. Yeah, it's the old. I mean, we, we all say, you know, James Carville, who's Clinton's top, top strategist, said, uh, he didn't say it's the economy stupid. He said the economy stupid. Um, but that's been become a mantra in the intervening three decades millions of headlines and i don't i mean obviously the economy is always important that it's ridiculous to claim otherwise however the the old belief that economic policy attractive economic policy leads inexorably to electoral popularity that's gone you know i think it was killed by the crash i think it's been killed by the decline of trust i think it's been killed by the massive growth of economic insecurity and i i keep coming back to inequality the inequality yeah. uh, that the western democracies are faced by today mm. is a seriously underreported and underaddressed well, issue one person who addressed it inadvertently or well this is slightly disputed but james cleverly oh yes yesterday who um when when a labor mp stood up and said 34%, I think it was 34% of Stockton, of my, of Stockton uh, constituents live in poverty. A voice, there was lots of rumbling, but a voice, a very cleverly-esque voice could be heard muttering, cleverly. that's because it's a shithole. Which is, of course, what Trump used to say about yeah. nations that he didn't like. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that wasn't a great moment. There's a story been put out since saying he didn't say that. What he said was, no, that's because you're a shit MP. But yeah. but the, no, that's not right. No, that's just bullshit. And, I mean, and it, any it, client it, journalist Dan Hodges who who who, <laughs> says, who believes that is talking out of his backside. I mean, cleverly, it, it's interesting because cleverly has has stormed out of the traps as Home Secretary um, uh, as 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 a claiming to be a potential next leader. I'm not quite sure why. People keep telling me he's the best communicator in the government. To which my answer is, if he's the best communicator in the government, you better. <laughs> shut, shut up shop uh, however the, it is it has become a, a thing you yeah. know and he is top at the moment in the conservative home um, membership survey of yeah. cabinet ministers which is truly amazing isn't there was it? a wonderful just before we shut this down there was a wonderful tweet by ian dunt of the independent oh, yes. who really funny and excellent. it was a long telephoto lens photograph of of, um, of James Cleverly on the left, David Cameron in the middle, and Rishi Sunak on the right, walking towards the camera. And the height disparity between those three men was quite something to behold. And Ian Dunt tweeted, it looks like two, It looks like a little boy being taken to the circus by his parents. Which in a very real sense it is, <laughs> it I suppose. Really, really, on so many levels, it felt completely that correct. That is, uh, yeah, Ian often gets right to the point. He's very good. What didn't we talk good. about? Um this week we, you went to see napoleon yes i did and i yeah. I, I have to say that it's uh, a bit of a disappointment because it really is just a scene a series of 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 a very wonderful cinematic battle scenes yeah but you don't get much sense even though the wonderful joachim phoenix plays napoleon you don't really get much sense of why he did all these things or why yeah. he became king and emperor and it, it, it's 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 it has the feel of a video game actually right which, right. which is fascinating. surprising fascinating uh, and I, i've become fascinated with these hats that they were i think trying we to need, work out requires further investigation I, I can see a feature in the new european coming up soon what's the story between there and the on the subject of um, Napoleonic uh, bids and so forth, the um, the Abu Dhabi bid for uh, the Telegraphs and oh, yeah. the Spectator 
yeah. that is going to keep us very interested. I so think. that's um, that's very interesting. It's led by a guy called Jeff Zucker, yeah. who was uh, formerly the boss at CNN in the States, but left after a series of missteps and allegations of various kind of not particularly pleasant behaviour. So, um, yeah, no, that is definitely one to follow. I mean, interestingly, the UAE if, um, is an, in the, the rankings of world press, freedom comes 145th out of 180. So that's Great. not very promising. Great. I think that this that's, I mean, it's interesting that Lucy Fraser, the culture secretary, has said she's, she's minded to use that. Right. word to look into it which right. tells you a lot well they'll be under a lot of pressure from the Murdoch press because Rupert still wants to buy the spectator doesn't he does he? Yeah. yeah I'm not sure I think this one is going to run and run actually yeah it's going to be a, a good media story and who I mean, it's important because you know the Telegraph has, has had perhaps ups and downs but it is still in it for those who care about the right it is a prize worth having, and the spectator is 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 going great guns. So I yeah. can see why people would want that. Very good. Well, thank you very much indeed for listening, folks. Please get your questions in and any feedback you might have to the two mats at tnepublishing.com. That's the number two, m a t t s at tnepublishing.com. Or if you listen to us on Spotify, you can message us there, which is a fantastic little bit of new functionality. And that's exactly what Nigel Ingledew did, who says. Perhaps you could refer to Suella as Dagenham, as in two stops short of barking. Boom, very good. Thank you for that, Nigel. We'll be back on Sunday with a new episode with our wonderful Q&A. Q &A. Uh, and don't forget our Christmas deal. Head to the neweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats to claim your free Christmas cards and calendar with your fantastic value subscription to the New European. Thanks as ever to the third Matt, that's producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, assisted by Maya Sedlund and Ollie Peart. And until next week... It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.